The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted to welcome you today on May Day, May the 1st, the cross-quarter day of uh, celebration of Beltane and the ancient uh, rites of passage through May Day of fire ceremonies, sending the cattle over the fire to symbolically purify them for the summer season, younger couples and their fertility rites jumping over the fire too in celebration and joy of their connection with each other. So it's a day of great uh, newness, fertility, sharpness of mind, clarity of our intentions and beautiful co-creation with Mother Earth. And so I hope you uh, enjoy a wonderful May Day Beltane today. And the timing is great for our guest today, Eldon Taylor, who has his official launch of his new book actually on May the 5th. So in setting intentions for him today of a wonderful uh, opening to this, uh, this new chapter in his life, in his new book, which I uh, have read and really, really appreciate. There's some wonderful, significant information in the book, and I strongly recommend it to him. We'll talk about how you can connect with Eldon to get the book later on in the show. But uh, my guest is Eldon Taylor, and the book is called I Believe. Welcome to the show, Eldon. Thank you indeed. It's my pleasure, sir. <laughs> now, I, the book is called I Believe, and, and one of the big pushes in the spiritual realms has been focused much more on our thoughts than our beliefs. What would you... What would you say the difference is between that? I wouldn't. I mean, the fact <laughs> of the matter is they're synonymous. Uh, there's no such thing as an innocuous belief. Our beliefs are all connected. I, I think of them as a giant web, like a spider web. Uh, you tweak any part of that web, and the entire web resonates. That's how our beliefs are. Well, our thoughts are generated as a result of our beliefs. You know, let me just give you a couple of takeaways here. Uh, that I think, you know, are, are really important. There's a lot of conversation in metaphysical circles, uh, but much of the conversation in metaphysical circles isn't just about, uh, or it doesn't just occur in metaphysics. I was at a CEU two weeks ago where we spent the entire day with neuroscientists, um, and we were looking at all of the latest, newest research. And this research told us two things, two bottom-line takeaways that, you know, everybody scored in their notes as this is what this continuing ed course was all about. The first one was 
you absolutely can change. You can change your IQ. I was taught when I went to college, IQ was fixed. Personality uh, became fixed four to six years of age. Um, the DNA was hardwired. Brain cells began to die in your 30s, and that was the one area that didn't replace, etc. and so forth. Well, I'm dating myself quite obviously because all of that is nonsense. It's, it's false to fact. The reality is... Not only can you change your IQ, change your personality, but you can actually change your brain. You can add gray matter to your brain. Um, you know, we have multiple personality disordered patients who in one personality manifest eye color blue, snap your fingers, they change personality, they have brown eyes. You used to think, how is that possible? But neuroplasticity and the whole field of epigenetics, now maybe we begin to get an understanding. So... If indeed our thoughts, our, our beliefs uh, can change the DNA, can, can influence its manifestation, think of it this way. When that personality switches, what's happened is I'm no longer Susan. I'm Susie, and Susie has fun. Susie is outgoing. In other words, the belief the person has about themselves, that stream of consciousness, that, that stream of thought that they have, it's different. It's changed. And in that change, it has directly affected the DNA molecule. Now, I just want, okay. I just want just get you to pause for a moment there, actually, Albert, sure. because I actually worked with a, a woman for some time who was multiple personality. And as you say, it's actually remarkable that when, when a switch takes place between personalities, for example, I remember in, in this particular case, one, one of the personalities needed glasses and the other one didn't. And you think, well, there's a major physical change manifestation yeah. there just in that instantaneous switch of belief that physically it's a different, the whole thing's different. How does that work? Well, you know, we, we're not really sure, but the science of epigenetics gives us some clues because, uh, you know, what we do know now is that our thoughts can influence directly the DNA. Our belief can influence directly the DNA. Our beliefs are a lot stronger than that. Let me make the second point, and then I'll jump yeah. back to this if I can. Sure. The second takeaway from that CEU course, and this is the bottom line, this is, this is really the closer, uh, is this. All of these changes were only possible if you believed they were possible. In other words, change is possible, but only if you believe it's possible. And that's not coming from anyone short of neuroscientists who are watching the brain make decisions, uh, actively process information. They're studying before. This is all a matter of hard research, observation. You know, 30 years ago, we might have thought that way in metaphysical circles, but to come up with hard evidence... We just simply couldn't have. Today, that is the line of hard evidence. Now, you know, to come back over to what you were saying with the multiple personality, you know, some of the, the facts that we get out of belief, when you really look at the hard data, are just amazing. Not only do we have this ability to somehow actuate the DNA molecule, but we can, we can affect what we die of and when we die. There, there was a seminal study that was carried out not long ago. Well, I say not long ago, actually, I suppose, in the great grand scheme of times. It's not long ago, but it's about 10 years ago now. Uh, the study was carried out uh, from uh, UC San Diego. The study was designed to look at 
the role our beliefs have in terms of influencing what we die of, um, what kind of illnesses we suffer. In order to do that, the researcher decided that the best way was to look at the Chinese um, horoscope because in China, the horoscope doesn't just tell you what your proclivities might be, uh, what you might be interested in, but it also tells you uh, the kinds of things that uh, you'll die of and when you'll die. So the whole idea was if there is a correlation here, we should be able to see, well, this person was born under this sign and they died of of whatever the sign said. Say they were born under the sign of a dog and it said you were going to die of cancer. Did they die of cancer? David Phillips, as I say at UC San Diego, carried out this study, and indeed what he found was a one-on-one correlation. Uh, the fact is, if you believe that's what you were going to go from, it didn't matter all the clean living and self-denial you did. On the other hand, if you believed you would go in your sleep, live a long life, it didn't matter what you indulged in. That's what happened in the majority of instances, statistically significant instances. So our belief about little things, uh, you know, research has shown us this, say, about placebos. When I went to school, we knew that a placebo was good 20, 25% of the time. Well, today, if you give someone a plain white bill with the right authority, well, it's good for that 20 to 25%. However, we know if you put an initial on that plain white bill, um, you know, like a big M or something, it becomes more potent. Now we know if you colorize the pill, and we even know what color, it becomes still more potent. If you turn the pill into a capsule, that becomes more potent. And if it's a colorized capsule in a fancy box, still more potent. And if we move to an injection, well, now we get up to where it may be 75 and 80% effective. That's as effective as the medicine itself. So what's going on here? You know, the accumulated beliefs that we have about value apparently are expressing themselves in, in the nature of how we're interpreting the power of a placebo. So from the littlest thing to the largest thing, our beliefs underlie uh, everything that we're going to experience in life. Now, you said something really important there, Alden, just when you were going through that list. You talked about the placebo being given by the right authority. Just talk a bit about that, because that's a very important point too, isn't it? It is. It very definitely is. You know, uh, we have a, an area in the brain uh, called the caudate nucleus that, for all intent and purposes, is an area that uh, discriminates. And uh, fMRI research shows us that in the presence of an authority, that area turns off, to use the terms of uh, PET and MRI people. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm there in front of my doctor or I'm there in front of my cleric and they give me information and as opposed to uh, look at that information in an intellectual way to, to discern what I'm going to accept or not accept, the area of my brain that would evaluate it is turned off. I just accept it. You know, let me give you a, a real live example of this. Years ago, um, I well, actually, we created an oncology study. The study involved a number of physicians, who uh, cancer physicians, uh, oncologists, that were dealing with uh, patients in uh, terminal or near terminal conditions. The whole idea was 
could we improve the quality of life and perhaps even uh, increase the remission rate if what you did was change people's expectation about the disease? Uh, the big C, you know, uh, to, to many people, that, that big C may as well equal the big D, death. So could we change this expectation? Could we get people to begin to view it kind of in a Pygmalion way, you know? And, and a lot of research shows us this Pygmalion factor is if, if you expect the great outcome, you're more likely to get that outcome. And then it spills over to other human beings. We might talk about that in a minute, but... Back to the study. What we did was create an intervention that was a purely mindful training intervention, a program designed to change how you talk to yourself, and it was an audio program, a take-home care modality, and we made it available to these different physicians. Um, The physicians passed it out. There was nothing in the protocol that said how they should pass it out. Should they pass it out and say, oh, you know, this is a great new program that may help you? Should they pass it out and say, you know, I don't know that this is going to do anything, but it might make you feel better? Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't give anything and provide any instruction in the protocol with regard to how they administered this uh, audio program. Three years later, we did uh, longitudinal, um, you know, uh, follow-up. Let's look at how many patients uh, have survived and what, what their general progress of the disease is, et cetera. Now, some very interesting categories split out, and, and I define them in the book, I believe. But the two most important ones were this. The first one was every single patient whose physician said the mind had no role in wellness, irrespective of what the patient said, with respect to that, were deceased. Contrasted to the group where every single patient whose physician said the mind definitely had a role in wellness and who believed the mind had a role in wellness was in remission, complete remission. Now, at the time I'm going through this data, and this was a pilot study, but at the time I'm going through this data, I'm... I, I, I have no way of understanding how that's possible that every patient whose physician thinks mind has no role has that much power over the patient, irrespective of what the patient believed, they went off and died. How is that possible? What is the effect? I thought for a while maybe they said something. You know, it's like the iotrogenic uh, insurance that they take out because under surgery they might say something that influences the patient in a bad way. We call it an iotrogenic effect. Um, but what, what it turns out to be, uh, Peter, is that that area, again, of the brain that discriminates, that makes judgments, that it is suspended in the presence of the authority. Now, it takes, I, I have to tell myself to this day, when I see my physician or someone I hold in authority, remember to keep my brain turned on. <laughs> I want the caudate nucleus to examine what is being said, not just guppy up to it and walk away. But we have been so enculturated to accept that authority that our natural reaction, our knee jerk, is for that part of the brain to just turn off. 
Alden, we're coming up to our first break, which we'll take now. It's very, very powerful stuff. Thank you, and it's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. If you were looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light. Where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com where there's all sorts of information, my uh, monthly newsletter, actually my May newsletter will be out in the next couple of days, uh, talking about our trip to England, Scotland and France uh, in March and, and what the consequences were of that, as well as uh, the information for the wonderful trip that we've got organized for you to go on if you wish to, to the sacred sites and energy ley lines and vortexes of England and Scotland that we've now seen how they marry together in uh, the end of September. Um, so please do check out my website, petertongue.com, and also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com and our Ambassadors of Light program, and we have a class tomorrow evening at 5.30, and I'll be talking about some of the interesting uh, energies that came up around the full moon in Scorpio last week, some people thinking that it's the WESAC energetic full moon, and we'll talk about that actually as well, which, which is uh, of, of interest. So uh, that's tomorrow. Uh, MyHeartCenterJourney.com is where you will find the information on that. I have with me today Eldon Taylor, who is talking about his latest book, I believe, and we were having a fascinating discussion just before the break about the authority figure in our lives, and, and I've certainly come across the situation, Eldon, in the work that I do with people who've had 
uh, terminal cancer and are now completely healed and clear of that from the physical perspective. But the medical profession still um, sort of warns them, threatens them that it might come back. And, uh, and, and it puts them on that place where they actually can't fully celebrate a situation. They should be jumping up in the air in, in total joy. So what's your advice to those people? Well, you know, the traditional allopathic um, stance is, you know, cancer may, you may be capable of remission, but you're not capable of cure. Um, I would I would say, you know, the bottom line to that is uh, William James said, an axiom is such that it's always true. So if the axiom is all crows are black, I only need to find one white crow to know that it's not true. We have so many white crows demonstrating that uh, remission must be cure because these people have not only experienced the remission, they have, re- they have experienced it for 30, 40 years and then died in their sleep of old age for, you know, <laughs> n- no cause at all related to it. We, the fact of the matter is, I think we do a great injustice when we couch whatever um, our counseling uh, is in fear. Uh, the fear itself is probably, well, in my view, it is the second most powerful force, uh, creative force in, in the universe, period. Uh, and we see fear everywhere. I mean, fear is sold to us on a daily basis. The fact of the matter is the number one subliminal on television in every single ad you will ever see, probably not just on TV, but print media, uh, billboards, etc., is you are deficient. And it has to be that message because if you're not deficient in some way, shape, or form, then you're not going to consume their product. In other words, you can't sell a life vest to someone that doesn't believe they might not drown. So I think any time we we build on a fear, we we you know I think we've forgotten about being a healer. The bottom line is this: medicine is changing its perspective. This continuing ed course I told you about. This is all healthcare professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists. I mean that's what what we're there for. And and the and the bottom line is our. Our target is a moving target, too. Our level of knowledge is is changing every day. Uh, We're beginning to see that the mind and the body, this whole idea of psychoneuroimmunology, is much more meaningful than just a a placebo effect, even if that might be 75 and 80%. It it indeed... um, as I, as I indicated in the, at the top of the hour, it indeed even includes direct influence on that DNA molecule. Okay, look, if that's the instance, as Norman Cousins says, if I could cure myself of cancer with laughter, why would I not choose then to live that lifestyle from that point on in? I would say anyone that has experienced remission in cancer has experienced a life-changing event that's not just physical in nature. It, it's a transformational event in consciousness. And, and that event is what we want to continue to live with and live by. One of the, one of the pieces of data that 
uh, I obtained in some research that I was doing a couple of years back on life after death had to do with NDEs. And to me, the marked importance of an NDE wasn't in some of the so-called facts that were out there. It was that if this was in a, a legitimate NDE, what you could honestly see was a complete change in the lifestyle of the person that experienced it. Well, people that face life-threatening events go through something similar to that. And if they remember that in that process of healing, they had a state of mind, they had a sense of, of, of being, of connectedness, that that's the state of mind that produced the healing. And they remain in that as opposed to revert to the models of fear and scarcity, uh, the likelihood is their remission will last as long as as long as time lasts. So, if fear is the second most creative force, what is the most creative force? Well, in my view, it's love. There is no more powerful force in the universe than love. Um, you know, it is it is love that is the highest aspect of the human condition. Um, we we see that those um, things that we consider to be the highest acts that humanness is capable of arise as a result of love. Unconditional love, love for another, uh, the sacrifices that we will make out of love, the lengths to which we will go out of love, the peace that we receive in our being as a matter of love. These things are all markedly obvious and even measurable. You know, the body has essentially two budgets, Peter. One of them is defense and the other is growth, analogous to a government. If you keep the body in a state of fear, suspense, uh, you know, dealing with thoughts of scarcity, getting even, uh, you know, all of that kind of thing that, that we see so dominant in, in our culture today, in, in the media, in the, in the sex, and in the violence, and in, and in the need for us to buy this or buy that, to get this in order to fulfill ourselves, in order to somehow become perfect. Um, if, we, if we look at that information, what we have to realize is that it, all of this stuff is deposited in our unconscious mind. And all of this becomes the urging factor to our thoughts. Now, in order for us to override the negativity, we must have an action we call cortical inhibition, which means I have to choose to override that thought and replace it with another thought or to repress that instinct, that action. I have to make a conscious decision to do that. Now, I'm not getting away from love. I'm going to come back there, but I've got, this is very important point to understand. An MRI technician watching your brain will know 90% of the time what you're going to decide, given a choice, as much as 10 seconds before you will. Now, let me say that again. Using Functional magnetic resonance imaging, we watch the brain make decisions lifetime. The nucleus accumbens, an area of the brain, 
associated with a pleasure center, etc., makes about 90% of our decisions. We watch that. We observe it. Okay. And that area makes the decision before your conscious mind knows what is decided. So a technician watching the brain will know what you're going to choose to do in advance of you knowing what you're going to choose to do. And all of this is based on the information that you have stored in your unconscious mind. Okay. In order for me to even want to override that information, I have to have a higher sense of humanness. That humanness is built on a morality, a sense of rightness, a sense of goodness, a sense that rises to its highest in what we call unconditional love. I know this. Research shows us that if you are in continual pain, intractable pain, and you go to the aid of someone also in need, your pain disappears completely. Anyone who has ever helped another human being in a situation that made a difference to them knows what a warm, fuzzy feeling is. Because when you put your head on the pillow and you reflect on that, you realize what life is about. Your life made a difference. And it made a difference. Why? Because you went to the aid of another human being. That force, that power, we call love. That is the highest and most creative power in the universe. Indeed, the two are in competition. You can think of them as the Tao did in the yin and the yang way. You know, the dark and the light, the good and the bad. They are within all of us as well. Well, what has been identified uh, by Zimbardo, past president of the APA, as the Lucifer effect. Because in each and every one of us, there are instincts, there are capacities given circumstances that would lead us to do things that the other part of us would inhibit. And, you know, it is in this psychic tension that we work to be the better human being. And it is indeed because of this influence that I wrote the book, I believe. Because for over 30 years, I've watched people make choices, do things, uh, decisions that were just self-destructive. And you walk away and you say, why do they do that? And it is because underlying everything, to start this entire conversation, is a thought. But that thought is anchored to a belief. And that belief is anchored in a web of beliefs. And one triggers the entire morass. And we find ourselves doing things and and not knowing why we did them, saying things and not knowing why we said it, walking away, uh, rehearsing what we think we should have said based on some, you know, image that we've taken out of TV uh, taken out of some movie. <laughs> I mean, young people, you may even practice that by standing in front of the mirror with your finger like a gun. Go ahead and make my day, you know. <laughs> I don't get even, I get evener, you know. Uh, these kinds of things are, you know, that's, that's the, 
the stuff of self-alienation. And, and unfortunately, until and unless we get by that, we're living somebody else's life. We're not living who we are. So, Eldon, we're actually coming up to our second break, which we'll take now, and we'll return back with Eldon Taylor. After this break, it's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Eldon Taylor, who's just about to release officially his uh, new book, I Believe. And Aldo, I'd love to hear the story of how you made the transition from a forensic uh, hypnosis uh, expert involved in lie detection into the realm that you're in now. Explain that to us. Okay. Well, you know, I think I alluded earlier that all my life, you know, I've I've looked at why people do what they do. Uh, And, you know, specifically... um, why we make these self-destructive, self-sabotaging decisions. Put that in its context. For many years, I was a practicing criminalist, and I spent my day uh, running lie detection tests, maybe uh, conducting a forensic hypnosis session, supervising an investigation, uh, handling an interrogation or something of that nature. And I watched these things over and over again. I I watched people's rationalizations and and the ways they displaced responsibility and, and how they made, how they came to justifying what they did. And, uh, you know, that, that was a part of the impetus that I wanted to express in this book. But the bottom line for me was uh, I was at the top of my field doing really well, 
Uh, but at the same time, my personal life was not doing well. Um, I found that I was guilty of a lot of what I've learned. You know, uh, there's that saying Gerald Jampolsky made popular, we teach what we want to learn. Um, so I, I'm a practicing criminalist, and uh, um, I heard that the LAPD uh, had developed a technology that was designed to be used in terrorist abductions that employed a subliminal uh, technique, an audio technique, and that they had successfully dehydrated uh, cadets in the academy. Well, I was never able to confirm that nor get it denied, but the bottom line is that started me on an investigative process. If they could do that, I thought, then I can minimize the amount of inconclusives that I have in the lie detection practice. All lie detection practices will have 20, 25% of the tests they give as inconclusive, meaning that the honest person that comes in, because of situational stress, um, we can't say is uh, practicing or not practicing deception, and the dishonest one who employs countermeasures finds himself in that same place. So, if this technology could dehydrate cadets, I theorized it'll work in lie detection to exaggerate responses when someone lies and to minimize them if they came to tell the truth. Well... I contacted all the manufacturers and made audio programs, and, and I asked them what they were doing and how they did it, and they were as forthcoming as you might suspect if I asked for the secret recipe to Coca-Cola. <laughs> so what I did is I went out and I bought them all, and I sent them to a forensic laboratory that specialized in separating audio information. I got the phone call that said, you know, Eldon, there's nothing on here. Well... To make a long story short, I ended up doing a lot of research and developing a technology we call InterTalk today. It's a patented technology. It's really not subliminal. It's a process called dichotic. Uh, so the information is there, and sometimes it sounds like you can hear people talking. But the important thing is you can't discriminate what's being said. So the idea was this. Now that I have this technology, will it improve my lie detection scenario? And the fact was it did. In fact, our confession rate went through the roof, and we were getting confessions in 20, 30 minutes out of the shoot, and you typically don't even try for one for three hours. Well, a friend of mine at the Utah State Prison said to me, if it worked that well there, do you think it would help with the inmates? Lower aggression, hostility, increase reflectivity, you know, lower some of this impulsivity, and blah, blah, blah. So we went out to the Utah State Prison. We conducted a very tight uh, double-blind study. We used the latest psychometric instrumentation. It was all computer augmented with volunteers in the minimum security facility, and the results were so overwhelming that the prison system installed voluntary libraries throughout, and that was cloned out to other prison systems. Well, I began to lecture about this. Now, I have to stop here for a second because... As I said, I was a rather jaded criminalist, uh, very suspicious of people. My personal life didn't work at all, but I discovered something from this inmate population. When we ran all these psychometrics with them, we didn't, discover, we didn't find anything new. They had high scores in self and social alienation, and we knew that going in. 
But when we discussed things with them, they had a method of displacing responsibility. And you could just call that blame. But we'll encapsulate it in, in their language. Ah, but for the grace of God, there go you. You know, the universe acted upon me. My daddy was an alcoholic. My mommy was a prostitute. The neighbor boy mainlined me when I was eight years old. See? Now, most of these stories were exaggerated. But even when they were true, you could have two brothers that came from the same household, one in the prison and one in a teaching hospital. So they had the same stimuli. They responded to it differently. In other words, they made a different choice. That choice based upon their own stream of consciousness, their own beliefs, their own ways of rationalizing, their own mechanisms. So how are we going to undo that? How are we going to change that? And here was my epiphany. I discovered that the only way you're going to undo blame, because I'd left home when I was very young, and I blamed my father for a lot of things, and I had a real authoritarian, anti-authoritarian issue of my own. The only way that you're going to dissolve that is to forgive. So if you forgive, you can't blame. There are two ways to effectively be tied up in the world. One is to have somebody bound you, and the other one is to just hang on to a thread attached to a doorknob and refuse to pull it hard enough to break it. Hang on to that little belief that it's okay, that it's proper, that it's appropriate, that that you deserve to be able to blame them, because after all, look at what they did. Hang on to that, and you're forever a victim. The minute you forgive, you're empowered to do something about it. There was my epiphany. And, and that was a complete change in my life. Not only did the prison system serve to augment my realization that I, the only thing that separated me from the inmate is I had found a socially acceptable way to act out my aggression, my frustration, my anger, and that was to take it out on the bad guy, in quotation marks, okay? Uh, this interdiction that we did at the prison system it, it contained what we call the forgiveness set. I forgive myself, I forgive all others, I am forgiven. And then a healthy sense of building positive self-esteem. And as I said, it was overwhelmingly successful. Indeed, it was so successful that as I went out and started lecturing about this, because people started asking me, and then they'd ask me, well, if you can do that, can you do this? Can you help this group? How about that group? How about cancer patients? And we already talked about the oncology study. As we began to do these things, and I talked about it, I realized that is so important that we should just make that program available free. And to this day, you can go to my website, and you can download that program, Forgiving and Letting Go, absolutely free. It was our bestseller, but we made it free because I believe that strongly. If you're going to begin a path of self-responsibility, the first thing you have to do is be able to take responsibility for everything in your life, and that means you haven't got anybody to blame for anything. So, Alden, just give actually you've you've set this up nicely. <laughs> give us your website and also how people can access the book, I believe, and and your other books. Well, you can go to eldentaylor.com. That's e l d o n t a y l o r dot com. On the right hand navigation pane, just look for free programs. You can download the free program. The uh, 
launch of I Believe is there, ready to go, and there are a whole lot of gifts that accompany the purchase. You won't really buy it at my website. There will be links that will take you to Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. But you you bring back your purchase number, even if you bought it at a brick-and-mortar bookstore. You can bring back your uh, receipt number, input that number, and it'll open up a whole lot of gifts that there are many people who are supporting this launch because they know how powerful uh, belief is. And and Peter Tung is one of them. (laughs) Absolutely. You're right there. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you. We're coming up to our final uh, break, actually, Eldon, so we'll take that now and we'll come back with some final gems after this break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Voice America for their support in enabling me to put on this great series of shows, Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation, with wonderful guests and experts like Eldon Taylor today. I'd just like to thank Matt, my regular production engineer for the live shows, and also Brandy, my producer for this show. So back to uh, Eldon Taylor. And Eldon, I just uh, would love to hear you talk a little bit of it now about how people begin to make this shift and, and, and becoming aware of these unconscious thoughts and beliefs that are actually running their lives. How, how do people make that shift to becoming aware of what, what they're saying and doing? Well, what's necessary is a conscious decision. A conscious decision precedes it all. You know, what, what we have to do is begin to attend 
to what Zen Buddhists call the urgency of the moment. We need to examine every single thought we have. You know, and that comes about by first realizing that uh, if, if everything in my life is perfect, then everything in my subconscious mind is, in consi- is consistent with what it is that I want in life. But if what I want in life isn't there, then there's material I have in my unconscious that is inconsistent. And when it's called upon to make a choice, it's making a choice for me that is not what I genuinely, I'm consciously saying that I would want. Let me give you a quick example. And thousands of, uh, before thousands of people, I have asked this question. How many of you would like to earn a million dollars this year? Without exception, everyone raises their hand. Okay, now in order to to earn a million dollars, you have to understand that you probably are going to do something different. You're going to maybe go at risk. Maybe you're going to borrow money. Maybe you're going to find a partner. But you're not going to make a million dollars this year doing the same thing you've done in the past if this is your your first go making a million dollars. So you're going to have to believe that you can make a million dollars. So what I want you to do is I want you to say to yourself, say it sincerely, say it meaningfully, this year I'm going to earn a million dollars. Now it only takes a couple of seconds of seeing that, and you begin to see smiles, maybe even laughter breaks out, because what happens and maybe the audience has done this themselves, what happens when you say that is you're apt to get talk back. Something like, sure, what are you going to do, rob a bank? Because you don't believe from the inside what it is you're trying to tell yourself from the outside. So you say to yourself, you know, I'm not going to lose my temper the next time somebody cuts me off in 5 o'clock traffic. And some part of you says, haven't you told yourself that before? So this stream of consciousness is mitigating very often what our stated objectives, what our real desires, what our goals and ambitions are. And that stream of consciousness is a mirror on our true belief. So we get this negative bit of information comes in. I think of it as ants, automatic negative thoughts. We get these ants coming in from the G-I-G-O that garbage in, garbage out language of computer programmers, whenever I say to myself, I deserve this, I'm going to go for it, really, what makes you think you deserve it? And by becoming aware of that system of ants, I can start, initiate, changing it. So when I have that thought, I can initially say, well, cancel that one. I don't want that one. I'm going to replace it with this one. That's how I begin to become mindful. I, I must also be alert to everything that all the information I'm intaking and not reason just from sound bites. Here's a very quick example. I do this kind of thing, and so I'm watching two television shows one day, one a liberal news network, the other a conservative news network, and they happen to be running a poll on the same issue. On the one network, they say, should poor taxpayers be forced to pay um, for their children to go to private school uh, because our public system is, is failing, I have to get two jobs, and da-da-da. And on the other network, they're saying, the question is, 
should poor taxpayer be forced to pay for rich kids to go to private school? Okay, listen, if I happen to be liberal, I'm going to plug into, no, of course not. Rich kids can pay their own way. Why should my tax dollars go there? And, and if I happen to be conservative, I'm going to say, well, no, I mean, the public system is failing. You see, both of these were about school vouchers in America. What I'm not likely to do and what I should be doing, as opposed to taking the sound bite, is looking at what school vouchers are. You know, maybe I Google it. Maybe I, you know, I, I go to the library. But where does the money come from? How does it impact education? Who uses it? Is there, you know, what can I expect as a result of school vouchers? Not taking the framing that has forced the soundbite that becomes most of our reasoning. That's how most people reason. If you reason from a false assumption, you're going to have a false conclusion. It's that simple. So if I want consistency in my life, I need to really be alert to every single belief that I have, not just the negative ants, as we've discussed, but my, my opinions about things. People this day and age can be very polarized and they become very emotional over issues. And, and the research shows us if you stop them and have that individual really look at the issue, look at both sides of the issue, evaluate the issue, that the emotion diminishes, that they begin to see this in a different light, in a more rational way. As long as someone else is pulling my strings, and they do that with emotion, and, and advertisers, neuromarketers as we call them today, are very good at doing precisely that. Indeed, they use fMRI to watch the brain as it, it responds to stimuli. So we know that if you show a smoker the Surgeon General's warning on a pack of cigarettes, it excites the pleasure center. It makes him want to smoke more, which tells the tobacco companies will make it larger, put it on you know, both sides of the pack. That's the kind of marketing that's being done. As long as I'm tweaked, as long as my thoughts belong to somebody else, as long as I'm in that soundbite place, I'm not living authentically. I'm not living my life. I'm living someone else's life. The beliefs that I have anchored are someone else's beliefs, and they're not serving me for my authentic self. So, Elton, we've just got a, a minute left, and so I, I did want to fit in before we, we finished. One of the important lines in your book, I believe, is it's never too late. Just make a comment about that. Well, and, and that's very, very true. We, uh, we have seen complete changes in people uh, in the quality of their life, uh, in body tone, etc., that are literally making changes at or near their deathbed. Uh, the fact of the matter is the ability to change, whether it is your personality, as I said in the get-go, your IQ, even the gray matter, the physical nature of your brain, is inherently within your power, and that's hard science, but only if you believe it's within your power. And it is never too late. So, Alden, thank you. That's a great uh, line to finish on. I really appreciate your time today, and I wish you uh, much luck with the, the book and uh, continue doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for the opportunity, sir. So that's www.eldontaylor.com, E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R, 
aldentaylor.com and I do strongly recommend the book. In fact, it's my book review for my May newsletter. My guest next week is Stuart Pierce, who is a very uh, brilliant man from England who has trained some of the, uh, in terms of voice, some well-known personalities and politicians and royalty even. And his uh, latest book is called The Alchemy of Voice. And he'll be uh, with us next week talking about all sorts of interesting topics that he has studied, including the archangels of ancient Egypt and Atlantis. Very interesting show lined up for you. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy the rest of Beltane May Day today. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.